Welcome in to another edition of Divorce Force Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm very excited to introduce the next guest. He is currently a sports reporter for WNST.net. Please welcome Luke Jones, everybody. Whoop, whoop. What's, What's going up, on, Adam? man? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, good. It's good to connect. I know it's been a little bit, but uh, good to have you on the pod, uh, and it's great to have you on tonight. Uh, absolutely. It's been a few years. Uh, hope you're doing well, and uh, glad to see you're still uh, doing the, the sports radio kind of thing. Yeah, man. Uh, it's been a little bit, but uh, yeah, doing well, still working in sports, and yeah, doing the podcast, so it's been strong. I had uh, Mr. David Ginsburg on recent, uh, a while back, and uh, Mark Viviano, so uh, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun doing the podcast, so. Uh, so I like to jump right in, and I like to start off. Obviously, uh, sports is a big part of what you do professionally. But where does it all begin for you? Whether that was playing at a young age or just going to games, growing up as a fan. Well, I mean, because we're just wrapping up baseball season for the Orioles. I mean, it really started with uh, being a baseball fan, and my my father uh, was an usher at Memorial Stadium, and. You know, from a very young age, I was going to, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 games a year, you know, age two, three, <laughs> four. That, you know, talking, going back to the, the mid to late 80s at that point. But, you know, it was something that I just grew up with. And, you know, I love baseball. And, you know, I certainly got into football as I got older. But once the, you know, once the, the Ravens uh, were a thing at the beginning in 1996, certainly uh, had a passion for watching that. And, you know, I played sports, you know, growing up and I always liked to write. I always liked to talk sports, you know, whether it was with my dad or uh, grandparents, you know, different friends over the years. Uh, and it was, you know, something that I, you know, didn't have a direct path to it, but I, it's something that I, you know, has had a long time and, you know, starting back in about 2009, had an opportunity to, to start doing some of it on a part-time basis. And then, uh, in 2011, I was make, able to make the full-time jump. So, you know, I, uh, I, I certainly, you know, love covering sports. You know, I love, uh, very much enjoy covering uh, Baltimore sports, you know, teams that I grew up with, and uh, very much uh, enjoy the writing and, and the reporting side of things as well. Yeah, for sure. And talk about those early days um, of just going to games. Obviously, I'm sure you have many, and there's too many to count. But what is one of your favorite memories uh, going to a game uh, with your dad or some other family members that you really enjoyed the most and was like, just, man, that was a great experience. I really want to you know, be a part of that. I mean, I, I think for the most part, Adam, for me, I, I think it was more I, I like the routine of it. It wasn't it always happened to be like the, the biggest game mm-hmm. or, you know, I mean, I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I don't think I ever went to an Orioles playoff game with my so Ravens playoff game with my dad. Uh, so it was really, you know, I, I, I mean, certainly there are certain games that stand out more than others. And I can think back to, uh, you know, a, a game that I think goes down as one of the all-time great regular season moments in Ravens history. I think back to week two in, in the 2000 season. Uh, and you'll appreciate this knowing, uh, uh, you know, I, I, through uh, knowing through some back channels, teams that you like, but it was the Ravens against the Jacksonville Jaguars yes. uh, in week two that year. <laughs> Uh, and it was a, a phenomenal game. It was 39-36, and Tony Banks threw five touchdown passes for the Ravens, which 
you know, <laughs> kind of weird to think about it because that was a, you know, they're his. But, you know, Shannon Sharp caught the game winning touchdown with about 30 seconds ago. And I can recall, uh, I, it was funny at the time I had, I was in a walking boot. I had a stress fracture in my foot and it actually cost me the beginning of uh, my senior high school football season. Uh, but my dad and I were sta- sitting in the upper deck. And I remember when Shannon Sharp caught the touchdown, I jumped up and down and then remembered I was in a walking boot. So that probably wasn't a good idea, but, <laughs> but you know, I mean that, that, you know, you have those memories, but for me, I, it, you know, it, it was still just the routine of going to a ball game and, you know, as I got a little bit older, you know, maybe you have a cold beverage or, you know, just sitting down and watching a game at home or listening to a game on the radio or just, you know, just that routine. Uh, I think as I get older, you know, I, I, you know, those are the things I appreciate way more than, you know, remembering uh, a big win, a, a tough loss, things of that nature. And certainly we talk, you know, I talk about that in my business in, in what I do for a living, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think just those memories of, you know, whether it was going to a game with him, going to, you know, watching a game with other family members who've passed on or years later, you know, I, I really cherish just, you know, especially baseball, I think more than anything else, the night to night, day, day to day routine of it. You know, uh, during baseball season, there's a game every single day. And, you know, that's something that, as a baseball fan, I think you really appreciate, especially with uh, the people in your life you're able to enjoy that with on a regular basis. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you talk about the everyday routine. I mean, baseball is a unique spot because you obviously have a game uh, most of the time, unless it's an off day, but, uh, you know, every day almost. And it's, you know, an 82, 82 games home, 82 games away. And, uh, you know, you have that u- unique experience where it's long to the football where you only get, X amount of home games and X amount of away games. So it's a lot easier to maybe go to baseball than it is football, even though there's a lot of people that make it an effort to go to those football games, right? Oh, no question. I mean, and it's a different mentality. You just said it. I mean, baseball, it's more the day-to-day routine. You know, even the best teams in baseball are going to lose, you know, 60 games. You, you know, the, the worst teams in baseball – uh, other than maybe the Orioles before this year, uh, we're going to win 60 games. And, you know, you, it, it was a matter of how the rest of it was going to shake out. Whereas football, I mean, you know, uh, uh, a football fan's mentality, you're, you're living and dying with that result every Sunday because you only get to do it once a week. And you only get to do it 17 times in the regular season. And you hope you're good enough to be able to play into January. And, and if things really go right early February. So, you know, so it's definitely a different mindset with the two sports and, I think even from a coverage standpoint, bringing it back to, you know, me as a media member, you know, you're not going to write, a, you know, a, a, this dramatic piece uh, after every baseball win or loss. You know, certainly some are more important and more memorable than others, whereas in football, not that it's a must win every single week, but you know that each of those game results carry more importance. So, you know, so it is a different mentality both as a fan and as a, a, a sports writer or, or reporter. For sure. And as, you know, being a sports writer, uh, in particular, especially in baseball, uh, you have to bring a unique perspective uh, and kind of make sure somebody else isn't writing that. Um, so how do you kind of, uh, you know, add your flavor to a story? Uh, whereas, you know, this is, di- this is going to be different than anybody else that's writing a story. Uh, with the same result? Well, I, I think, 
you you're never going to be able to avoid being you know i can you know you're not going to be able to be 100 percent different all the time <laughs> you know if there's an obvious you know so tr- you know thinking back to you know if ryan mountcastle hits the walk-off home run of course yeah, there's going to be at least some mention of that, even if you're going to talk about another angle of the game. I think for me, the thing that I've always tried to do with my sports coverage, and I'm more successful with this at times than others, you know, I don't bat a thousand, no one does, uh, but I always try to bring something to the table that is interesting to me. If, if I'm writing something that's not terribly compelling to me, then chances are, uh, at least my perspective, other people aren't going to find it terribly interesting. So (laughs) I'm always looking for a unique perspective, I think, uh, for uh, sports reporters, uh, from sports media. Clearly, you have more access to these individuals. So anytime uh, you can add a little bit more of a human element, that makes sense. Anytime uh, you get a little more unique insight than just watching it on game, uh, on TV, or listening to it on the radio, it's certainly a different perspective. But you know, at the same time, you have to be yourself. You know, uh, there, there are certain elements. I mean, I, I love football, but I'm not going to sit here and, and lie and say that I'm this amazing X's and O's film breakdown junkie <laughs> kind of guy where, you know, that I'm going to get into, uh, get far into the weeds as far as different coverages and all the different things going on. Yes, I have a, a very, you know, a stronger understanding of that than many people out there. But at the same time, I'm not going to, uh, sit up, you know, I'm not going to get on the radio or write about it in a way that acting like I know more than the coach. Now, that, that doesn't mean you you can't criticize or question or <laughs> revisit elements of the game that maybe didn't go well. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit there and try to fake it. Uh, you know, I think you have to be yourself at the end of the day when it comes to that. So, you know, I, I think if you do that, you'll end up finding uh, over the course of time, not every single day, not every single game, but you'll have, uh, you know, you'll have unique stories and you'll bring some uh, perspective to the table that people will appreciate and hopefully enjoy reading and listening to, to what you have to say. Yeah, I love that. And you talk about being yourself and just being credible, but like, don't, don't write something that is, is not you, right? Like, don't veer, like, obviously there's important intricacies that may come up, but don't veer from your creativity to try to be something you're not. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I got great advice and I, you know, probably from multiple people over the years, you know, whether you're talking about doing a a sports talk radio show or whether you're talking about something you write, uh, whatever you say, you better believe it because that's the easiest way. Then if, if someone's going to, you know, at some point in the future, call you out for something you said (laughs) if you're you know if you're too caught up in just wanting to garner clicks or garner retweets on twitter or just trying to get more attention you know with with a hot take then chances are you're probably not going to remember what you said and you were caring much more about getting attention for it so you know for me i I just i try to be myself uh, in what i say and doesn't mean i'm right all the time i'm wrong all the time i'll continue to be wrong (laughs) Uh, you know, I, I picked the Ravens to beat the bank or to beat the Bills this past Sunday. So what do I know? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm I think the, a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah, I'm picking the, the Bengals to beat the Ravens on Sunday night, and I very well could be wrong about that. I mean, it happens. I mean, that's that's what makes this fun. If it, you know, I, I always think back to Buck Showalter saying that if we knew what was going to happen, it'd be really boring. So <laughs> yes, you know, so from yeah. that standpoint, I think you just you have to be honest with how you feel, and you know, make sure you believe your opinions, make sure you stand by. 
uh, what you write, what you say on the radio. And if you do that, whether you're right or wrong or whether people uh, agree or disagree with you, I, I think uh, that that's the path to being respected, which ultimately uh, is what you should want. You know, it doesn't doesn't mean you want to be just the most popular uh, at what you do. It means you want to be good at what you do. And uh, again, that comes down to uh, people respecting what you have to say, respecting your opinions, because uh, like I said, uh, and as you mentioned, you, you want to be yourself uh, when you're doing the job. Yeah, that's huge. I think being humble and just honest and credible are huge. And you certainly um, embody all those things, which is incredible and why you've been successful over your career. So that is amazing. I love that. <laughs> well, I, pr- I appreciate that, Adam. I do. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so I want to talk about before you got into uh, being a sports reporter and you know, being a sports talk uh, personality, uh, you were a school teacher. I was. I was. Is that right? So, yeah. So you know, to give you the, I'll give you the thumbnail version of it, and try not to ramble too long. <laughs> but I, you know, as I mentioned, that growing up being big in the sports, but I also knew probably by about age 10, 11, 12, I probably wasn't going to play in the NFL or Major League Baseball. <laughs> so uh, at that point in time, it's something that I thought about a lot as far as in the sports media, probably at that point in time, I thought a little more about wanting to do play by play. But you know, that's not for, you know, for whatever reason, I, that's something I didn't really pursue that specifically, but as I got a little bit older, much more got into writing and, and specifically writing about sports. So, you know, by the time I got to high school, uh, I got involved with the school newspaper and uh, my senior year was the sports editor uh, for the school newspaper. So you know, I had good grades. I, I, was fortunate enough to get into Syracuse, which, uh, you know, the Newhouse School uh, of Communications is, you know, very much uh, highly respected, renowned around the country. <laughs> uh, and I did well. Uh, you know, my grades were good. I People always, you know, I always joke with people, they probably think, uh, but because I didn't stick with that at the time, that I must have flunked out or anything, but my <laughs> grades were good. But at the time, and, you know, I, I think anyone can relate to this, you know, when you're age, I don't know, age 19, 20 years old, you you think you know what you want to do, but maybe you <laughs> don't exactly know what you want to do. And, you know, so at that point in time, I, I, you know, teaching was something I had always considered as well. And I thought I wanted uh, to be a teacher. So uh, I transferred uh, closer to, to home, went to York College, uh, you know, in uh, York County, Pennsylvania. Uh, and it was closer to home. I was closer to my family and, uh, you know, went into uh, teaching. I was a fifth grade teacher for five years. And, you know, I, I have no regrets having done that i'm proud of of what i did but uh, about two years into that uh, as i mentioned earlier in our conversation was when i had uh, an opportunity to start doing some things with wnst actually uh, won a contest uh, that they uh, offered uh, back in 2009 which you know for lack of a better term i kind of uh, equated it to american idol for <laughs> sports media yeah uh, and i you know I, I i was fortunate enough to win that and that's how I got my foot in the door, and uh, I did sports media part-time for about two and a half years while I was still teaching, and then I had an opportunity to uh, make the jump uh, to do it full-time. So, so yeah, when I have an opportunity to talk to college kids that are trying to get into sports media, and I've had you know some cool, cool chances to be able to do that uh, at some different uh, places, I, I always say, uh, you know, I might have some okay advice for you but certainly don't follow my career path because it was definitely uh, unconventional so trying to copy that i'm not sure uh, that would be uh, would work for anyone else hey i think uh they always say the career path 
It's not straight. It's like all over the place. It's zigzag. It's up and down. It's sideways. There's no straight line to career success, right? Oh, no question. I mean, I, and I, I certainly can attest to that. That's for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. And talk about, you know, your time as a teacher. And obviously, uh, there's so many aspects of uh, that role. But is there any part of that that you still carry on as a sports fighter? Well, I, I think, I mean, I mentioned the writing, you know, uh, certainly as a teacher, you need to be organized and you're writing lesson plans. And uh, as much as, you know, you don't necessarily write out a res- lesson plan word for word like you do an article uh, that I'm going to that I post at BaltimorePositive.com or station website. Uh, but, you know, uh, you know, ordering your thoughts, you know, trying to organize your thoughts. So, you know, that's a big part of it. And I, I would think probably more than anything else, uh, just the communication aspect of it. I mean, clearly, uh, when you work in media, you know, whether talking about segments on the radio, whether we're talking about writing, uh, whether it's tweeting, you know, uh, social media aspects of it, you need to be a strong communicator. And certainly when you're a teacher, whether you're talking about, you know, being in front of a classroom uh, of 25 fifth graders, uh, as I was for five years, or communicating with parents, which you know can certainly be uh, <laughs> a little bit trickier when you're talking about their child's education, talking about their behavior, what it might, whatever it might be. And certainly there were, uh, as I mentioned, a lot of writing elements to various aspects of the job. You know, those parts of it certainly carry over. It's not the same exact thing, of course, but uh, those skills, you know, being a strong communicator, I think uh, that goes hand in hand. Uh, you know, the best teachers are going to be good communicators. And uh, certainly you know, uh, to, to work in media, sports media, you need to be a good communicator as well. Yeah, for sure. And what is something you wish you knew that you didn't know at the time when you first got into sports media? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I don't really, I mean, I, because I was in such a unique position that I didn't, you know, just walk into a full-time opportunity. <laughs> I was really willing to learn new things. I, I think the, the advice I would give someone else. And, and again, I mean, these were things I picked up along the way because I didn't have a degree uh, in mass communications, didn't have a degree in journalism. You know, even though I'd taken classes my first couple of years in college is I think you need to be willing to learn how to do just about anything. Uh, I think the worst thing that uh, a young you know, a college student right now or someone that's aspiring to go to college for sports media would be to just pigeon your pull yourself into one specific job like, oh, I want to host my own sports talk radio show or, oh, I want to be on TV or, oh, I want to write uh, for the local newspaper or uh, you know, whatever it might be. I want a podcast. You know, really, the job has become kind of all of those things wrapped into, <laughs> you know, kind of combined. And that doesn't mean uh, you're going to do all those things at the same time uh, all day, every day. Uh, but I can say since I've started my career that I've done radio, I've done writing, uh, you know, I, I've been print, you know, I, I've had, I've been published uh, a couple times in magazines and, and things of that nature. Uh, I've done a little bit of TV. Uh, so, you know, you have to be prepared to do all those things. And I think uh, it, it isn't just the case of, you know, being in front of the camera or being behind the microphone. It's also learn how to do things behind the scenes. You know, I, I learned how to, ed- I learned how to edit audio. I learned how to edit video. I, you know, I, certainly learn best practices and I'm always trying to learn best practices as it pertains to social media. Uh, I've learned how to use WordPress as far as uh, website editing on the back end. So, you know, these are things that 
you know, 17 year old Luke, you know, uh, thinking about wanting to be a sports writer, <laughs> you know, wouldn't have thought about it in those terms. Would have just said, okay, I'll, you know, write for a newspaper or maybe write for ESPN.com or whatever it might be. So, you know, so uh, again, that was something that I learned pretty quickly because I, you know, I didn't have any other choice if I was going to try to get my foot in the door and, and be able to do it for a living. So uh, that would be my best advice is just you know, to learn how to do everything and to keep an open mind. Uh, you know, even if it's not the, the, the perfect position that you want, if it's at a, a media company that you feel uh, you, you have the, the potential to move around, move up the, the, the food chain, so to speak, and potentially move into that ideal fit uh, that, that you see yourself being in. Don't be afraid to, to take something that's a little bit more uh, outside your comfort level a little bit, you know, step outside the box a little bit. And, uh, you know, I know people who, you know, thought they wanted to cover a cer certain sport, thought they wanted to, you know, do a certain part of media and they wound up doing something else uh, that ended up being quite different. And they had no regrets and they ended up uh, li liking that far more than anything else they had had in mind. So. Uh, I think that would be the, the biggest thing. Just try to be as versatile as you possibly can, because uh, anyone will anyone will tell you, uh, at least from a traditional standpoint, sports media is a shrinking profession. It's not growing. So be unique. Uh, you know, uh, again, you know, whether it's your own podcast or you see different uh, media companies that have a little more grassroots in nature. But, you know, traditional media is generally getting smaller. So uh, it's all about the more you can do. And you know, sports teams will tell you the same thing. John Harbaugh will tell you the same thing about uh, pl young players trying to make the roster. You know, you're a, an offensive or a defensive player, but uh, in order to make that 53-man roster, chances are you're going to have to play some special teams as well. So, you know, I, I think media is similar in that way, that the more you can do, the more versatile you can be, uh, the more attractive you're going to be to prospective employers. Of course. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, especially in media, like, it's not just one thing. There's video, there's audio, uh, on camera, off camera, behind the scenes. And you have to, I mean, you have to not be maybe a master of all that, but at least have knowledge and be able to do it to some degree. Because if not, then, you know, somebody can come in and do it, right? No question. I, I mean, I can remember... And I say this with no disrespect. I mean, even individuals who I grew up listening to or, or watching, you know, watching them on television or reading what they had to say. And I can remember uh, the, those media individuals who were far more talented than I was, but they were and they were far more along in their career than I was. Mm -hmm. And I, I can remember individuals you know, scoffing at Twitter or, or scoffing at the idea of having to do a video, you know, uh, because they were a writer or or, or a TV guy thinking that he didn't have to write for, you know, the, the station's website or anything like that. And again, you know, these are just kind of general comments I'm making. And what happens is you find that those individuals, whether they like it or not, have to get on board because it's changing or you find individuals moving in, you know, moving away from the business in that way. So uh, you just said it. I mean, there's going to be someone unless you are that extraordinarily talented at one, you know, whatever it is, whatever medium you're in, whether you're just the best, you know, television broadcaster or the absolute, you know, you're, you're an incredible radio person, you're an extraordinary writer, unless you have extraordinary skill in that one specific thing, chances are you, you know, in this you know, 21st century, really, uh, of media, 
you've had to become more versatile because you know it's people can consume their media in such different ways than even when I, I got into the business back in 2009. Sweet. I love that. And, you know, you talk about, you know, knowing um, things and, and, you know, reporters that you might have thought more skill and it's just, yeah, really got to know your skills and self-taught is, is so important. I mean, like you said, you didn't even finish. I mean, it's so important. Like you don't, it doesn't matter what you get your degree in. Uh, and sometimes, you know, it, it doesn't really matter what you major in in college. It's just applying that self-taught or how much you can learn outside the classroom uh, that can really take you to the next level. Yeah. And, and I don't even think it's necessarily all self-taught, Adam. I, I think it's also just the willingness to learn. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there are people that are willing to give advice and to help and assist whether they whether you work with that individual or whether it's just a peer. You know, I, I can tell you people that. Uh, have worked at other outlets being incredibly helpful to me over the years. And, and I think uh, a big thing I would say in, in that regard, and, and it's not, doesn't just go for learning how to edit audio or, you know, don't, don't come into the situation. Uh, as much as I just said, you need to have a, a, an ability to adapt and learn new <laughs> things and maybe more traditional media. We're reluctant to doing that at one point in time. At the same time, when you first come into it, you don't know anything. Uh, I mean, yeah. you don't. So, Listen, ask questions, be respectful uh, of others. And, you know, there there are great resources willing to to help you and to make you better and to help you learn. But uh, the worst the worst thing you can do is to go into it and just say, well, I know everything or, oh, I'll just figure everything out on my own. Uh, I, I think probably, you know, to go back to a previous question you asked, you know, there probably were some instances where uh, I, I should have asked for help uh, a little bit you know, sooner than I did or a little bit more than I did on a couple occasions. And not that I didn't figure it out eventually, but maybe I would have figured it out uh, a little bit sooner than I did. Yeah, I love that. And just uh, to follow up on that, who have been some of your mentors that you've leaned on um, throughout your career that have been instrumental in your success? Well, I mean, I, I need to begin with Nestor Aparicio. He gave me an opportunity <laughs> at WNST and you know, has allowed me to have a lot of flexibility. And I've you know, worked there a long time. Uh, you know, beyond him, you know, uh, others I worked with in the past, you know, who I don't work with anymore, but certainly thanks to them. Uh, as far as current media that I really look up to, I mean, uh, Jeff Zrebeck, who writes for The Athletic, you know, yes. <laughs> uh, writer at the Baltimore Sun. You know, he's one of my closest friends in the media. He's someone that uh, is a pro's pro. Uh, you know, he's someone that, uh, you know, and Jameson Hensley as well, who writes for ESPN, mm-hmm. covering the Ravens. Uh, you know, a couple guys that you mentioned uh, that, that you've had on the podcast. I mean, Dave Ginsburg, you know, is uh, now semi-retired. He still gets in there. <laughs> yeah, still does some part-time work, uh, you know, for the Associated Press. But uh, he, he gave me some opportunities to, you know, help him out on, on some occasions over the years. And uh, another name you mentioned, even though it's more on the tel- television side, and I've only done some TV limited TV appearances over the years, but uh, Mark Viviano, uh, another, mm-hmm. you know, a pros pro, you know, Viv's Viv's a better man than he is a reporter. And that's, that is a huge compliment to him because he's a fantastic reporter. Uh, and you know, these, you know, these are the types of individuals who uh, were at it for quite a while when I broke in. And these were individuals who, you know, whether it was just their friendship or, you know, a little piece of advice here or there, or a kind word, you know, it, it goes a long way. I mean, that's, uh, I think, you know, 
just that as as human beings, you know, I, I think sometimes we're, you know, even when we're in a competitive environment, I think we shouldn't lose sight of how much some a, a word of encouragement can go a long way for someone who uh, is trying to figure it out or if someone who might just be having a rough day. So, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, those individuals have uh, yeah, the, the several people I just mentioned have all uh, you know played a big part in uh, helping me uh, you know, have some success and, and do what I do and and have also made uh, made the job more enjoyable over the years uh, just uh, with with their friendship and their uh, you know being acquaintances with them at the very least. For sure, I think, man, I think you know what I think you just named like the Mount Westmore sports <laughs> media, especially as well. Definitely in Baltimore. That's that's a pretty good uh, list, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and there's certainly there's certainly others along the way. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure I'm you know I'm forgetting some and people that have been very you know very kind to me and like I said, a, a piece of advice or or sometimes it's even t- some constructive criticism. I mean, sometimes uh, you know sometimes someone needs to hear, hey, you know, this wasn't quite good enough, but here's a way you can make it better. I, you know, that's great as well. So you know, definitely. Uh, uh, very grateful to uh, all the individuals I mentioned for, uh, you know, helping me and influencing me in positive ways over the years. For sure. And obviously you've covered a lot of games, been to a lot of, uh, you know, you've been to playoffs and with baseball and the Ravens. What are some of your most enjoyable moments covering Baltimore sports uh, on the reporter side? Well, I, I think, I did mention covering Super Bowl 47 in New Orleans. Uh, I mean, I had an opportunity to be down there the entire week. You know, uh, <laughs> it's just a, an extraordinary opportunity. It was a lot of fun. Not much sleep over the course of the week. Uh, doing early morning radio and going to cover uh, the you know the, the media availabilities during the week, and then covering the game and then post game and uh, and all of that. But it was a, a fantastic experience, and also. You know, it, it was very much, uh, you know, a chance to, to cover the Orioles in the postseason in 2012, including going up to the Bronx and covering Orioles-Yankees in the division series. And I uh, went to Kansas City, covered the Orioles in the ALCS against, uh, you know, the Kansas City Royals. And, you know, I, I think back to those postseason opportunities and, you know, just you know, t- different, you know, different celebrations or chances to meet. Uh, you know, I, I, I can think back to the first time I interviewed Brooks Robinson, uh, for oh, example, wow. which, you know, uh, speaking, you know, uh, not just that Brooks is, you know, this Hall of Fame, you know, Mr. Oriole, you know, uh, one of the greatest third basemen of all time. But you know, this is my father's hero. And, and I had a chance to meet Brooks. This is probably five or six years after my dad had passed away. And I had a chance to share with Brooks that, hey, you know, I just wanted to say thank you for, you know, being my dad's hero and, and pretty cool to meet him and you know i was just into the media at that point it's something i don't know if i would do all these years later but i you know i didn't know any better uh, at the time naive and everything and you know, brooks <laughs> patted me on the shoulder and, and thanked me for sharing that with him and i just thought that you know that's pretty cool and, and i couldn't help but think you know my how much uh, my dad would have appreciated that so you know so you know you cover big moments record-breaking type uh, events you know big games postseasons you know super bowl you know i i Certainly hope at some point I get a chance to cover a World Series. I covered an all-star game down in Miami uh, five years ago. That was a great opportunity. But, you know, like I said, uh, it, it still comes back to, you know, writing good stories and telling good stories, you know, getting a chance to talk to you on this and, you know, talking about some of those things. And, 
even some some events I haven't even thought about uh, in a couple years probably. So, you know, it, it's they, they always say it really is about the journey. I mean, that's such a, a, a cliche that's so corny <laughs> and everything. But, you know, I, I really do enjoy the journey. And then when you get to those specific moments that you get to cover, it is pretty darn cool. Yeah, for sure. And you talk about the conversations that aren't during an interview and talk about the ones obviously you know sports media you guys do all the hard work and get the stories there's deadlines and everything and it is incredible and all that good stuff uh but just talk about the relationships that you guys establish uh with some athletes you know that you don't record and the off the mic stuff and those genuine connections that hey you know i'm a media member but we do have a connection with, you know, said player or such and, you know, like that. It's not just for a story. You know, you guys are able to create those relationships as well. Well, and ideally you want to have those relationships because they will lead to better stories. Then. And I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to get into specifics because that's off the record as far <laughs> as conversations you have, but certainly, you know, players that uh, getting to talk to over the years, players that, you know, that, that Nestor and I have done live radio shows with over the years and mm-hmm. you know, players talking to in the clubhouse. I mean, I, I mean, I'll, I'll mention this one because I don't think he would care anyway, but you know, as much as you think of Adam Jones, yes. as, you know, this, this player that you're, you know, great player, uh, one of the all time great Orioles, uh, certainly of the, uh, of the last 25 years, uh, you know, but I, I think of just, having random conversations with him uh, in the clubhouse uh, about pro wrestling or, or different <laughs> things of that nature where, you know, you get to, you know, you get to see what, uh, what these individuals, uh, who they are, who they, you know, how, what makes them tick a- as human beings. Now uh, I will say this COVID uh, certainly complicated that with locker rooms and clubhouses uh, being mm-hmm. closed throughout 2020 and through uh, 2021. We are at a point now where uh, they're opening back up. So that's been nice, but, you know, it, it very much, you know, I, I never want to say, you know, I, I'd be leery to say that, you know, you become friends with anyone because you don't, you know, you don't get that kind of access mm-hmm. or nor would I really say that that would be, you know, appropriate from a professional standpoint. But you certainly get to know these individuals as people. They get to know you a little bit more. And, and I think that leads to better questions, better answers, better stories. And, you know, as I mentioned to you, uh, you know, talking about, you know, uh, different stories i mean you get to know individuals as people a little more and you 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 understand what makes them tick and, of and course you can, and you can tell better stories and uh, and then it makes it a little bit easier when you do have uh, a tough loss or a tough performance and you're in that clubhouse or that locker room uh, after the game and you have to ask a tough question uh, that if you didn't know that person might not go so well you know uh, <laughs> i mean i can definitely tell you uh, athletes or coaches, you know, I butted heads with before, didn't like a question or didn't like something I wrote. But, you know, I, I think as long as you remain, remain professional, you'll squash that. You know, I, I just mentioned Adam Jones. There, were, there was a time or two Adam wasn't too pleased with something I had said or something that I asked. <laughs> but you know what? We were fine uh, either five minutes later or at, at worst the next day. And that's just the way it works. So, yeah. Uh, Cultivating those relationships is certainly a big part of the job. There's no question. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what was more entertaining, an Adam Jones interview or Travell Suggs? <laughs> uh, probably, <laughs> I would say probably Terrell Suggs because you know Jones could Jones certainly could be 
entertaining, but Suggs would <laughs> at times, you know, you would almost call him the clown prince of the locker room a little yeah. bit. So, you know, uh, certainly some entertaining individuals over the years, uh, uh, but uh, certainly uh, good insights from either one of those individuals over the years. That's for sure. Yeah, I love that. Um, and obviously you mentioned, uh, you know, the various uh, events and Super Bowl and playoff appearances. Uh, just talk about how different it is, whether you're going to a Super Bowl or covering like a playoff series and baseball. How different is that week? Obviously, the stage is higher, but just talk about the scheduling aspect and how different that is from just like a regular season game and week. Well, I mean, I, I think, uh, I mean, you just mentioned the tensions are higher. Uh, you know, the stakes are higher. Way more media there uh, than just a regular season game. So you have to deal with that a little bit, uh, depending on uh, if they're hosting it. It's not too terribly different, but if it's something that's on the road, as I mentioned, you know, go. Uh, for a Super Bowl, you know, you're you're staying in a hotel for the week, and mm. you know, uh, you know, as opposed to a regular season game where if you're if you travel, you know, you're only going to stay maybe you know one night or one night maybe two depending on, on what your travel is like. So certainly that's different, but I think you know, uh, I think that's a case where, as I kind of mentioned, you know, depending on you know what sport it is, uh, you know, these games are going to be way more. Uh, you know, the stakes are way higher, obviously. And, uh, you know, your analysis needs to be more on point. You need to be paying attention much more closely. So, you know, you feel it, you know, in the same way that the players, you know, it's a different way, of course, because you're not playing. But uh, in a way that the players have to step up their game, you know, come the postseason, I, I think writers and reporters and, and media have to as well, because people are so much more plugged into it. And you want to provide good coverage and good content. Yeah, I love that. And uh, before I let you go, uh, just some fun things. Obviously, the Baltimore Orioles finished with the winning season this year. A lot of good stuff. I think a lot of fans are pleased with the way they finished, probably better than they expected uh, this year. But how excited are you for the Orioles heading into 2023? I mean, I think you have to be really excited. I, I was just looking at this, and I just wrote about this at BaltimorePositive.com just earlier today even. Uh, the, the day after the season comes to an end that, you know, this is the first time since the 1899 St. Louis Perfectos <laughs> that a team finished 500 or better in a season after they had lost 120 losses the previous year. Uh, j- just think about the historical context of that. I mean, Babe Ruth was four years old when that happened. So it, just, <laughs> you know, it really speaks to how historically unique it was. It was a lot of fun. You know, I, I think, you know, I, I thought at the beginning of the season I might have been too optimistic thinking that uh, they would avoid 100 losses. I picked them to go 65 and 97, and I think I probably had a few fans say, oh, wow, you're being really optimistic there. Dude. <laughs> so, you know, it speaks to, to what kind of season it was, you know, what kind of progress they made. Uh, they still have work to do, and I think a big question for that, uh, you know, to, to make it a, you know, a little more specific uh, with the conversation is, you know, where is ownership going to be in terms of, uh, ramping up the payroll, you know, and the financial commitment. I mean, great young nucleus, no question about that. You look at Adley Rutschman, you look at Gunnar Henderson, Grayson Rodriguez, <laughs> probably will be a, in the opening day rotation uh, if he's healthy. You go down the list of the young, talented players that they have, but where can they get better? You know, can they add a starting pitcher or two? Can they add a an established middle of the order bat? Because this is really difficult to do in the American League East. So. Uh, and Michael Elias talked about this. So uh, for me, and this is where 
know, I, I, I'm not going to say it won't happen, but I'm uneasy until I see it happen that you want to see the proper financial commitment from ownership to say, all right, we, we have not spent a whole lot of money on payroll the last three to four years. Now's the time to start investing in the major league product because, uh, you know, these guys are, you know, they've got a heck of a start as far as the nucleus that they have, but mm-hmm. you want to see them get the proper amount of help so they can take the next step, uh, which to me would be a playoff berth in 2023. And then after that, to me would be becoming a very legitimate World Series contender and maybe not next year, but 2024. So uh, to do that, they're going to need uh, that commitment to be able to go out there and sign some free agents uh, if it makes sense and to make, you know, whether it's trading a, a couple prospects for uh, a frontline pitcher uh, that you're going to have to spend some money and, and to pay. So, you know, I, there's plenty to be excited about, uh, but Michael Elias would be the first to say there's still some work to do and the job's not finished. Uh, the, the end goal wasn't to go 83 and 79. That's the start. Uh, after uh, what was a very long, difficult rebuilding process, but yeah, what a what a great uh, season! What what great fun 2022 really was. Yeah, I think we're a far cry from those 11 consecutive losing seasons. It's been definitely a fun ride uh, at Camden Yards this year. So for the Ravens, who have come off tough losses against the Bills and the Dolphins, where do you see this week's matchup as they go against the Bengals? on Sunday night football. You know, I I think for the Ravens, for this Sunday night meeting with the Bengals, uh, you know, and and on the heels of having lost and squandered a 17 point lead against Buffalo. And then a couple weeks before that, uh, blowing a 21 point lead to Miami, both of those games at home, which uh, the Ravens had only lost three games in their history in which they blew a 17 point or more lead, which just speaks to how unique it is. You know, that's where I look at this game. I want to know where this team's psyche is right now. I want to see what's under the hood, so to speak. Uh, when you get punched in the mouth a couple times, so to speak, uh, in the way that they have by the Bills and the Dolphins when in your home stadium, which, Adam, as you know, how well the Ravens have played at M&T Bank Stadium mm-hmm. for uh, the better part of two decades, uh, you know, it's unusual. So, you know, I want to see how they respond. I mean, th- this is a Bengals team that had their number and, and you know, beat them pretty good twice last year, even if the second game was, you know, much more uh, – influenced by injuries and, and COVID absences and all that the day after Christmas. But, you know, I, I think the Ravens, this is a pretty big game. I don't think it's must win in, in week five, you know, not when you're two and two and not when the Bengals are two and two, but uh, you don't want to be in a position where you've lost another home game. Uh, you're Owen one in the AFC North. The, the, the Bengals have a tiebreaker over with over you at that point. And you're just, you're down, you're doubting everything uh, about your identity. And, and that's where, I kind of question this team right now. They've, they've played really good football for most uh, of the 16 quarters that they've played over four games. But you look at the fourth quarter of the Miami game and you look at the second half of the Bills game and it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. And they know that. And, but the question is, how do you get yourself out of that? And I think you know, when you have these you know, unsuccessful fourth, down, fourth and goal or – you know, the two-point conversions at the end of last year and some of the narrow losses they had at the end of last year and you're losing home games. I, I do wonder psychologically if that starts to wear on you a little more. So, you know, if, if, if they're in the fourth quarter or in the second half of Sunday night's game and, you know, they have a seven-point lead or a 10-point lead, are they going to be thinking, oh, are, are we going to be able to hold this? Or, or if they have a 10-point a, a lead and then Cincinnati scores a touchdown, are they going to be thinking, here we go again. You know, so I, I think it's important for them to have a short memory, but 
Uh, they certainly need to clean up, you know, uh, the, the, the pass defense, uh, which, you know, has been better the last couple of weeks, but certainly not where they want it to be. Uh, and uh, for the offense, you know, for the team in general, they got to figure out how to, a way to play 64 minutes. You know, you can talk about leading a game for all but the final few seconds, but, you know, it's a 60 minute ball game. And if you don't play 60 minutes uh, in the NFL, teams are too good. Uh, more, more often than not, they're going to hurt you, you know, especially going up against the good teams. You know, this isn't like college football. So <laughs> you know, that's where uh, I think the Ravens, you know, I think this is a little bit of a gut check game for them. Uh, so I, I'm fascinated to see uh, how it plays out. They're going up against a team that, hey, say what you want about the Bengals and all oh, they're the Bungles and they've never won a Super Bowl <laughs> and all the past times you beat them. Well, they made it to the Super Bowl last year. And yeah, they did. More, this current era of Ravens, you know, the Lamar Jackson era, and I'm not just saying Lamar, but all of them, you know, these guys haven't accomplished that in January. So, you know, who are they to be overconfident against the Bengals at this point? Uh, a team that, like I said, beat them pretty badly uh, twice last year. So uh, a lot on the lines for the Ravens, even if it's not so much from a standing standpoint, I, I do think from a little bit of a gut check standpoint, uh, this is a game I want to see what's under the hood for Baltimore. Yeah, for sure. If, if they take another loss, it's going to be tough. But, hey, anything's possible, like you said. Uh, that's why they play 60 minutes. Uh, Luke, I love it. If people want to get connected with you on Twitter, uh, on social media, what's the best way to do that? You can follow me on Twitter at Baltimore Luke. Nice and easy, Luke. Uh, and you can check out my blog at BaltimorePositive.com. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, I, I'm very active on Twitter. Uh, you can check me out there. You can check me, check me out on the radio with Nestor on AM 1570 WNST as well. Well, Luke, I know you got a busy schedule. I appreciate you coming on during uh, the peak of football season and right around the end of baseball. It's, it's been a pleasure, man. Sounds good, Adam. It was great catching. Heck yeah, man. And it won't be as long. It, it won't be as long as of a time. Uh, to connect. We'll definitely have to do this again uh, sometime soon. Sounds good, Adam. Be well.